América is underway here on ESPN Plus. Sebastian Salazar, Hercules Gomez with you. Herc, how you doing? You're in your hometown, lovely Las Vegas. Vegas, baby. We got League's Cup this week. I know you know. I know you know that I know you know we got League's Cup this week. Absolutely, because we will be in Las Vegas for Thursday's show. A little bit later on, we will be previewing the League's Cup final between the Seattle Sounders and Leon. We're also talking about a new budding rivalry between the NWSL, the National Women's Soccer League, and Liga Mekis Femenil. Discuss that. Uh, and plus, as you just saw, an interview with none other than Matthew Hoppy. All sorts of stuff to get into on this edition of Football Americas. But Hercules, why don't we start? Well, why don't we start with a reminder that you can catch all of that right where you see it, there on the Football Americas podcast, available for download wherever you get your pods. Just search in the ESPN FC feed. As I was saying, Herc, uh, let's start with a new segment this week, okay? We're calling it Praise or Shade. Ooh. And we're going down into Liga MX. It's quite a big weekend down in the Mexican League. Let's start with the Clásico Regio, Rayados. Two-nothing winners, Herc, at home on Sunday against Tigres. The goals from Alfonso Gonzalez, that one early on in the 14th minute. The clincher doesn't come until stoppage time from El Vasco Aguirre's team, from Matias Craneviter, the Argentine. Tigres in this game, man, had plenty of shots in possession. 19 shots, Herc. Ah! 63% possession. Uh, was the two-nothing result then fair? It doesn't matter if it's fair. It happened. It, it, Miguel Herrera is going to have his fair share of the blame in this game. El Diente Lopez, Nico Lopez, who's the leading goal scorer in Liga MX right now. This guy, the leading goal scorer in Liga MX, he doesn't start the game. Uh, they mm. score a goal to start off. It's called back. And then slowly but surely, Monterrey starts playing very well. And then Ponchito Gonzalez scores a goal, gets his team ahead. And I thought Monterrey was in control for the majority of this game. Mm. Of the moments, maybe not of the play, but of the moments, uh, they did very well in eliminating any, t- any type of danger that Tigres had going forward. But Tigres had his fair share of opportunities to actually tie the game. And we'll get into this second goal later, but drives me nuts. And, well, first <laughs> Clásico in a while for Monterrey. Are you upset that a referee got in the way? I can't believe it. Color me surprised. Are you serious? Uh, as you, uh, as you mentioned, uh, so Rayados then beating Tigres uh, 2-0. It comes on the heels of an impressive week for Monterrey. Not only do they beat Tigres in El Clásico Regio, they also get the big win in the CONCACAF Champions League, finishing off that second leg 4-1 against Cruz Azul. Herc, it prompts us to ask the question. I know it's just a couple games, but are Rayados now the team to beat in Liga MX? Pump the brakes. No, they're not. Pump the brakes. They're sitting in fifth place. They've only won three times, and they're finally coming off their best two games, and it's in one week. One of them happened to be against Cruz Azul in the Champions League, Champions League semifinal uh, where they advance, and the other one against, well, Tigres, at the expense of Tigres. It's a very rich roster, one of the richest rosters in all of, of, of Latin America, the richest roster in Liga Mekis for sure, and they're finally playing to that level. So it's why aren't they the very team to beat? Team. Well, because there are better teams in front of them. If you look at this, and they tied five times. This is a team that's very Jekyll and Hyde. And it doesn't matter who's coaching them. I don't know how many times we've had to say this, Seth, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's Javier Aguirre, or, or it's, or it's uh, uh, Mohamed, Diego Alonso, or it's Turco Diego Mohamed. Alonso. Whoever it may be, it's always the same thing. Like, look at these players, such a rich roster. Why do they play this way? Why can't they put it together? Finally, under Javier Aguirre, it looks like they're playing better. But if you look at 
Toluca, who's flying high. If you look at León, who's a very good team. If you look at mm -hmm. Atlas, who's a surprise. Club América, who's in first place right now. I don't think my money's on Monterrey, I, honestly. All right, so on paper, if we're going off squad, they, they probably are the team to beat, right? If, if we're just going off what you say, the most expensive roster in all the Mexican league. But you're right, before these two games, they also went four games without a win. So uh, they are yeah. Jekyll and Hyde. They are up and down, and probably that'll come back to haunt them. However, these are big moments for Javier Aguirre, and it does feel like the team uh, is turning a corner a little bit. Let me throw some of these names out there. Who would you put right now ahead of Rayados in that pecking order? Leon, América, Cruz Azul, Tigres. Am I missing anybody else? Do we count Toluca as a contender? Yes, Toluca for sure. I'd even throw a Santos in there. Santos is a team that's been kind of struggling with who they are, but they're always a very consistent team, especially come playoff time for whatever reason. They always put one over on this Monterrey, this version of Monterrey in recent years. All right, let's get into a you got CONCACAF from this match. And it is the aforementioned moment where Rayados are looking for that second goal, Herc. And, you know, referees in CONCACAF always seem to have their, their stamp on the game. But here there's a physical moment where the referee literally gets in the way. Yeah, yeah, he got in the way of Nico Lopez. It, so they don't stop the play because he didn't touch the ball, but he obviously influences the play. Get out of the way. What are you doing Should there? He's dribbling central. Just get out of the way. He doesn't. Counterattack. Maxi Lopez, who was a demon down those flanks, to Craneviter. Craneviter scores the goal. It's the second of the game. Game over. You got CONCACAF. Should it have been allowed? I mean, by the letter of the law? I guess so. If you ask me, no. Of course. Shade to Chivas. Not, not because they won. They did win. one nothing over Pachuca. Late, late goal. 89th minute from Jesus Angulo, the difference. But they're sitting in ninth place. And yet, Victor Manuel Bucetich is out. I don't think this is a surprise, Herc, right? We've been talking about this for weeks on Football Americas, that he's on the hot seat, he's on the hot seat. Is he going to go? The question here is, why do this now? Actually, I think it makes a lot of sense to do this mm. now. He was supposed to go weeks ago, and they won. They wouldn't lose. They won this game, and they probably didn't deserve to win it, but they won. Now, if Ricardo Pelai is a sporting director for Chivas, allows Bucetich to play the Clásico versus Club América, the Clásico Nacional, and he wins that game, how are you going to fire him? Now you've got to stay with him all season. And Ricardo Pelaez mm. knows very much so. It's Bucetich or it's me. And after Bucetich, most likely it will be me. So I really need to hit it out the park with this next signing. So I think he's buying himself some time to get that signing, to give himself time. Uh, Ricardo Pelaez knows his head's on the chopping block. He knew this was going to happen. If anything, this is the perfect timing because you can't allow Bucetich to play this game, potentially mm. win it, and then what? Your hands are tied. Well, I think it's, I think it's the opposite. I think it's, it's terrible timing, right? So we, we say that they sit ninth. They're actually in a like, four-way tie for six. So Chivas right now, in, in, in terms of the general table, is not sitting in all that bad a spot. The other reason, Herc, that this is very confusing to me from a timing standpoint is you could have done this during the last international break. You're weeks away from another international break if you want to give a new manager some time to figure this out. The one thing I would say, Herc, and it doesn't seem like this is the case based on, well, there's been hours since Musetich was fired. We still don't have anybody new in charge. The only reason to do this now, to me, is if you have somebody lined up right now to take the job. And that doesn't seem to be the case, does it? Well, last 
FIFA fixture window, there was a coach who contractually couldn't go anywhere. He was still under mm. contract till the end of August. Maybe he's an option. And Bucetich, I'm convinced, knew he was going to be fired. I'm convinced that Ricardo Pelaez News knew it was going to be a matter of time. And this is the correct time for him. Plus, this is a team with no identity. We'll get into Club America right now. But Club America, they lost trying to play a certain way. They lost being who they are, being who they always been this season. We don't know the Chivas identity. And I think that's the most frustrating part for Chivas fans under Victor Manuel Bucetich. Well, so the identity will then obviously come from whoever is the next manager. Let me give you three candidates, I think three names that we have discussed on this show, and I'll ask you to, to rank them three, two, one, right? Who's the best fit? Okay. So Turco Mohamed, Matias Almeida, who we know is currently still in a job at San Jose, and Jimmy Lozano, who, of course, took Mexico to bronze at the Olympics. Start at three and work your way down to one. Okay, number three, we have El Turco Mohamed. Is that right, production? We have El Turco Mohamed, Antonio Mohamed, and this is why. This is a cocktail. This is a tandem that's been tried and proven in Liga Mekis. Ricardo Pelay, sporting director, Antonio Mohamed, head coach. I know because I lost the final to them. Tigres, Club America, that was a high-flying Club America team. He knows what he's going to get out of Antonio El Turco Mohamed. He's always one of these coaches that injects life into his team. This is a very, very good potential candidate. Here's a problem. David Fites is our colleague over at ESPN Deportes. He's already got the, he's already shown the receipts. He's asked Turco Mohamed himself, hey, are you going to Chivas? He says, no, I'm not going to Chivas. Here's the proof, the WhatsApp. So that's out the window. Number two. Oh, number two. Who was this production? Did I put number two? Was this Matias Almeida? Number two. Oh, number two, Matias Almeida. This is actually a number one on everybody's list. He's the golden goose, especially for Ricardo Pelais. It doesn't matter who you are, if you're Chivas president, your Chivas sporting director, if you're the Chivas owner, he's the one you want because this is the last coach who actually gave your team something. This is the last coach who got the fan base to believe. The last time you were successful, it came with Matias Almeida, and he's always the one who got away. We want him back. It's not going to happen. Happen, excuse me. He is with the San Jose Earthquakes until the end of December this year. And I don't think Ricardo Pelaez wants Matias Almeida. That's a lot of power he would give up to Matias Almeida if he happened to go there. So he's out the window. That leaves number one. And the coach I was referring to of being under contract in August and couldn't potentially come in that window you were talking about, Jaime Lozano. El Jimmy Lozano, the head coach of the U23 Olympic squad for Mexico. A coach who got this U23 team to play with such a spectacular brand, a dynamic way of playing. He's only 42 years of age. And we know because Ricardo Pelaez today has said, the profile of the next coach we are looking for, a young coach. A coach who doesn't matter if he has experience, has won or not in Liga Mekis, who knows how to get the most of his players and plays a dynamic attacking brand. That is Jimmy Lozano to a T. You saw the way this team, this team who a lot of these Chivas players have played for Jaime Lozano over the years in youth national teams has played in that U23 Olympic tournament. They were high flying and he got the best at Alexis Vega. Last time we talked about Lozano as a candidate, you pointed to his time as, at Querétaro as a reason not yeah. to hire him. What's changed? Yeah. Well, Ricardo Pelaez just said it didn't matter if he's won or not in Liga Mekis. Doesn't matter if he's had experience, he's been successful or not. So that tells you right there, youth. Doesn't matter if he's been successful or not in Liga Mekis. Dynamic, attacking type of coach. That fits the mold of a Jaime Lozano.
All right, let's hand out some more praise then around Liga Mekki. So this is going to be a little bit of praise and a little bit of shade. We'll start with the praise, huh? Toluca, who go joint top of the table after a 3-1 win over Club América. It was America's, uh, America's the first defeat of the season. And Herka was a heavy defeat. Uh, yeah, honestly, they were lucky it wasn't a lot more. Uh, Toluca is high-flying offensively. They're the most offensive team in the league. They create tons of opportunity. Alexis Canelo, golden boot last season. Ruben Zambuesa is going to be 38 in January. Looks amazing. I'm sure Club America fans would want him back at any moment. And, and, oh, and by the way, uh, only one loss this season. That was to Cruz Azul in a game where they picked up an early red card in the first half that did them in. But this team is flying. You'd be hard-pressed to find a better informed team today. Speaking of red cards, America played up a man for like half an hour in this game. Did they? Did you they? You wouldn't have noticed. I didn't notice wouldn't that. wouldn't have noticed. Hey, you know what's probably missing? The MVP, your favorite player, Alvaro Fidalgo. Didn't what? play. Didn't go off the bench. He didn't play. No, well, didn't play. I guess he was being rested. He was being yes. rested, as we're told. Our colleague Mauricio Pedrosa said he was being rested because of the, I guess, so many games that he's played. But he also said that Solari needs to understand how Liga Mekis work, work mm. excuse me, and accumulating losses in a short period of time when you're being chased by the likes of Toluca, Cruz Azul, Santos, Monterrey, Tigres, etc., can catch up to you, especially, and we'll get into it, an America team that's not really been tested. So, anyway, the point is, you didn't think he was the most valuable player. We clearly see his value exhibited in this oh, match where he, he doesn't have play. Those and goals. they lose he for the first time. He should have stopped all three of those goals against 10 of men. Of course. Oh, Fidalgo, oh. why, Fidalgo, why? Man, what do you got against Fidalgo? More importantly, what do you got against America? So, uh, calm or alarm, what do you think? Is it, is it time to go crazy if you're an Americanista? No, you don't go crazy. Uh, they're still in very good position. They're first place in the league in goal differential only to Toluca. But you realize this is cause for a wake-up call. Not alarm, but a wake-up call. You've not played anybody. You played Atlas and Leon, the only two teams that were actually in playoff position. Beyond that, you're talking about teams in 14th, excuse me, 14th to 18th position, 11 and 12 as well. You've not played anybody. You finally play somebody, and look what happens. I think it's a wake-up call for these Americanistas, for fans, for Yusef, to realize mm -hmm. it's not going to be as easy as you guys painted. There are other teams. I think it's going to be a very tight battle in the end in Liga MX. And can I show you the calendar for these teams? Chivas, Pachuca, Santos, Tigres, a Clásico in Pumas, Cruz Azul, and Monterrey twice mm. coming up for America. That is a grueling schedule. Ask me how worried I am. Ask me how worried I am. Sebastian Salazar, how worried are you? Not at all. First of all, America's not judged off what they do in the regular season, so Santiago Solari's going to have to do it in Liguilla. That's the only thing that matters. The other thing I would say um, about this America team is you've got to acknowledge they're coming off CCL. That, to me, is clearly, when you lose that badly in a game, is clearly a CCL hangover, right? These teams don't have yeah. the depth that they, used to, that they used to have. Oh, man. What is what is what are they feeding Rayados in Monterrey that they were able to deal with that? You just is it the said you literally is just it said Rayados is the deepest is team in Liga MX. That's the difference. Oh, so America is not, but they'll be fine. 
Yeah, I'm not worried about it. When they have their best 11, okay. they'll be where they need okay. to be. I do want to correct you on one thing. You said it doesn't matter for Santiago Solari and Club America how they do in regular season. I yeah, think doesn't. the Americanistas would beg to differ there. It uh, always you, matters. You think if he finishes first, does. second, or third, it matters? Please, please. What happens in Liguilla matters. He's got to win. Okay, okay. You tell that to some diehard Americanistas if their team is struggling you, in regular season and limping the you playoffs. Think they're, they're worried about, you think they're worried about week eight? Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, a loss to Toluca oh, okay. after, after being week top eight of the was table. Very, very concerned. Let's move Correct. to another team from the Mexican okay. capital, Pumas, who are in much worse shape. <laughs> And pretty much everybody else in the league, to be honest. So they're up 2-1, heading towards a second win of the season against Mazatlan, and then they give up a 90th-minute equalizer. Ah, I mean, it was an exciting game, right? Finally, Puma scoring some goals. They're one of the worst offensive teams in the league. Honestly, they're a team that's been struggling as of late. I can't really put it on Andres Lilini, the head coach. I can't put it on these players. It is what it is. Like, Barcelona, look at this. Dumpster fire of a play. You can't give up this rebound. Very fortunate. Comes back to the attacker. 90th minute. And ciao. It is going to be a tie. They had the three points. They had their second win of the season. What happened? What happened? One win. One win in nine for Pumas. Uh, their only victory was against your beloved Puebla. I should point that out. However, um, for all the bad news, <laughs> the point actually served them. Uh, because you'll remember they were in 17th place. When we did the show last week, they're now in 16th place. So uh, Pumas and uh, there we moving go. on up. Pumas, one of the most famous up. teams in all of Mexico. El Cuarto Grande, congratulations. More Liga Mekis on your screens coming up later this week, Wednesday on ESPN Deportes, as well as right here on ESPN Plus. Ooh, this one should be a good one. Toluca, who are tied atop the table with America and Monterrey, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time kick. All right, Herc, this is something we left on the table on last week's show. The new logo for the Mexican Federation has been leaked. Oh, I'm judging by your reaction. You think it's more tripping than dripping. Oh, my goodness. Stumbling. Oh, my. Make it ugly your face, my that. God. Tropiezo, gacho. Like, what kind of a pigeon is that? That looks like, what is that? A turkey? Like... One of the coolest things about Mexican football are the logos, are the designs, it's the culture, it's the fashion, mm -hmm. but completely missed it here for me. What do you think, it's just like too modern of a look or what? Like they're trying to go Azteca, it looks like a Aztec turkey. I, I, I'm not digging the, the take on the eagle. I, I don't know, Seb, you tell me, you're a diehard Mexico fan, and you tell me if this is dripping or tripping for you. Don't like it, don't like it. I'm not an artist, but definitely tripping. I actually don't want to see the crest changed at all. Am I, am I crazy? I think I think the crest of the Federation is, is fine as it is. It's the one thing yeah. about the Federation I probably wouldn't change uh, is the crest. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is unconfirmed. This is just one of these rumors going around, but let's hope it's not true. Yeah, we should say uh, leaked, so allegedly the, uh, the new logo. How about this huge news? Hercules, Chucky Lozano is back officially. His first goal of the season for Napoli in a 4-0 win over Udinese earlier today. Goals are important. Doesn't matter for whom, they're confidence builders. And this is a great play. I mean, a little one-two gets it back. First touch sets it up. Second touch uses the defender to go around the goalkeeper as a shield. Honestly, shield or not, I don't think he was getting there. Perfectly placed. Golazo, Chucky Lozano, he's back. 
passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Major League Soccer, good, bad, and ugly. The good, Atlanta United. They beat DC United 3-2 over the weekend. It's now a three-game winning streak. The Gonzalo Pineda effect, Herc, has been immediate in the ATL. Yeah, uh, hold on. Let's get some credit to Rob Valentino because they've been 7-1 in their last eight games, and they've scored three or more goals in four of those games. This started with Rob Valentino. I, I should say, this started when they... Got rid of Gabriel Heinze. The culture was so toxic there. Something had to give. It finally did. Now with Gonzalo Pineda, you get a little swagger and discipline, and they are flying. It it reminds me of the Atlanta of old. I'm Mm. just saying, watch out. It helps that Joseph Martinez is popping. So they've taken 21 out of their last 24 points. They're currently sixth in the Eastern Conference, Herc, but with a win or two, they could very easily be in the top three. Right now, you think Atlanta are a legit threat to win MLS Cup? Have you not? I know you know Major League Soccer better than you're leading on. The teams that are successful in Major League Soccer start heating Mm -hmm. up around September, going into October. Very dangerous teams. I've been part of those teams. I know what confidence that can give a group inside the locker room and how that translates on the field. This has all the makings. With that fan base, in that place, Mercedes-Benz, I don't think any team in Major League Soccer wants to see them in the playoffs. Yeah, the, uh, the stars, too, are delivering. We see there Luis Araujo, one of the new players. Looks like Ouch. a little bit shades, shades of Miguel Almiron. Oh, he said Shades it. of Miguel Almiron, at least with the speed. Uh, Marcelino Moreno, great assist uh, on the weekend, cutting up the D.C. defense and setting up George Bella. But it's all about Ezekiel Barco right now. I mean, this guy is on fire on fire, Herc, since returning from the Olympics, six goals, five assists. I mean, uh, one of the best players in MLS right now, for sure. Yeah, uh, what, what's he, six goals, uh, sorry, he's five goals and four assists, like in the last eight games. It's ridiculous how good he's been. And, and this is what $17 million for a teenager is supposed to look like for you guys out there, you general managers who want to try something on a player. He's supposed to look like that. So, Barco, six goals and five assists in his last nine. All that since the return from the Ooh. Olympics. The one thing that you mentioned about championship contenders, when we were talking about the Galaxy last week, is defense. Atlanta actually has a, a pretty good defense. They've given up the same amount of goals as New England. They did ship a couple, though, against D.C. United over the weekend that were, to me, like... Golazos. Not, I mean, they were golazos, but I, I think there's something there to be said about the Atlanta defense. And, and maybe more importantly, they got to continue this run because right now they're six. They've got to get into, for me, that top four because their record away from homework is not very good. They've only won twice away from home so far this season. So if Atlanta are going to make a run, they probably want to be in that top three or four if they can make it. And absolutely right now, they're six in the Eastern Conference, but they could definitely be in the top four. Uh, no problem Agreed. you got to do at all. whatever you can to avoid New England if you're Atlanta. Oh. 
You just mentioned New England. Why don't we? I did. Why don't we talk some New England? I don't know why this is bad. Well, I suppose. I suppose if we want to, we're not going to pick at the logo, are we? Are we picking out just how this broke? Okay, so the New England Revolution are going to do a rebrand. Now, how do we know this? Because FIFA for FIFA 22, or should I say EA Sports for FIFA 22, release some of the top players in MLS their player cards. Carlos Hill, of course, plays for the New England Revolution, and their new logo, Herc, which we're looking at now, was accidentally um, on his card. It was actually tweeted by MLS, and then uh, the tweet was was later deleted. So the rollout has obviously been a botch. What do you think of the logo itself? You cool with it? I don't mind the logo. I wasn't necessarily a fan of the flag and the New England kind of you know, old school revolution logo. And it's not a moving of the team where you're trying to move Columbus to Austin type of deal. Rebrands can sometimes be good. Some of the best teams in Major League Soccer have come off rebrands. The Galaxy off their rebrand when Beckham came, instant winners. That's all they started doing. Uh, Sporting Kansas City, their rebrand, they started winning. Both those teams had their own stadium and evoke the culture. Hopefully New England, this would be the start of something. I don't mind this logo. The league is kind of weak, right? You, you would yeah. want to take in consideration your fan base. You'd want to be with them hand in hand in something like this. So find out off a video game, that's weak. Rest in peace to the crayon flag. Look, Herc, what I would say is that we don't have a lot of authentic history in Major League Soccer. Certainly not right. authentic history that dates back to the very beginning of the league, 1996. Uh, as cheesy as mid-90s, as you want to say, the old crayon crest was, logo was, I think it was very reflective of the time that both the New England Revolution and this league were born in. What we're looking at here, to me, looks like something from the end of the of the 19th century, like the late 1800s, Preston North End. Uh, that's that's not where the New England Revolution were born. They were born in 1996. I don't mind kind of a, a cheesy logo, especially in a league where we don't have history. You're the one that's always on this show complaining that MLS doesn't honor its history. Well, let's keep some of the cheesy old logos then. Okay, fine. If that's what you want to do, but I've got no issue if you don't want to do it or if they want to rebrand or if the fans are up for a rebrand, I'm all about keeping the people happy. By the way, this happens at Liga Mekis all the time. How many times have Querétaro uh, gone through rebrands and changes in ownership? How many times have San Luis done the same thing? It happens all the time. The city, the value, the colors, they can stay the same. It's just a little tweak. I don't mind. All right, you, you, compared it to, you compared it to Sporting Kansas City, Herc. Sporting Kansas City got a new name and a new stadium and a whole lot of other things. When the New, new England Revolution built, when the New <laughs> England Revolution build a stadium, when they actually build a stadium, then, then we'll pay attention Fair. to the rebrand. Then Fair. we'll pay attention Fair. to the Fair, I'm with you, Salazar. Fair. There we go. That's a first. Somebody put that, that down in the show's history books. All right, Book what about <laughs> the ugly? FC Dallas who lose in the Texas Derby over the weekend to their in-state rivals, Houston. It's a defeat that drops them to 11th out of 13 in the Western Conference, and more importantly, cost manager Luchi Gonzalez his job. Herc, what do you think? This just to me is, is so just weird. I, I will tell you why. I understand that they lost to Houston, who's got like two wins in the last 17 or something matches. I understand that, okay? Dumpster fire of a game, it, it happens. But they're with eight games to go, seven points out of the playoff line, and the Hunt family has never given this franchise an opportunity to actually win. They depend on producing young talent, and the moment this young talent gets any sort of fame or any sort of notoriety, 
they sell it, they ship them away. So Luchin Gonzalez is, what does he have? Whatever is at his disposal. DPs who aren't DP level. At foreign acquisitions who don't do anything for this team. They completely have missed on almost every single foreign signing they've had. Every important signing that could help them win, help them be something, they've missed. The Hunt family doesn't invest in football. They don't invest in their players. They don't care. So Luchi Gonzalez, just an innocent bystander. He just happened to be a casualty in this. So they've made the playoffs each of the last two years, which... Again, going to the point you're making about ambition at FC Dallas would seem to be enough to, to buy you a season, right? Especially with the demands in FC Dallas. It's not just the lack of spending, Herc. They force you to play the kids. And I think Luchi Gonzalez, being a, a former academy guy, was fine with that. But when you yeah. ask to play the kids, you have to understand that there are going to be seasons when results don't go your way. There's been some sales out of that academy for FC Dallas, too, where we don't even get to see the kids that should be the base of this team. So uh, I think it's incredibly harsh on Luchi Gonzalez. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. You're absolutely right. And Luchi Gonzalez is, forget about how nice of an individual or just good of a person this man is. He's actually responsible for a lot of these kids developing the way they developed. Their, their maturation as professionals, as people, and then shipping them off, putting direct money into the Hunt family's wallet. Mm. Now, they may tell you to reinvest everything. I don't think so. I've not seen anything <laughs> on the field. Franco Jara has four goals this season. He's got an 18-year-old who put him on the bench at one time. And Ricardo Pepe, as good as Ricardo Pepe is, that should never happen. Your DPs have to play. I've explained to you that when you don't knock it out the park with your DPs, you're behind the eight ball on everything. Now, they don't spend on DPs anyway, and the few DPs they have signed have been completely and utterly useless. This is the fifth head coaching change of the season in Major League Soccer. Last year, we got to six. Real quick, you think, you think we'll hit that number again, or you think we'll end on five? Can a coach quit? I'm asking for a friend in San Jose. <laughs> too soon, Herc, too soon. All right, let's uh, move on. You got CONCACAF, MLS edition. Oh, New England no. and Columbus Crew. Adam Buxa oh, no. just taking a full advantage here of a nice little assist from Jonathan Mensah. Jonathan Mensah was a Defender of the Year candidate last season. He was MLS Best 11. What are you doing? You think the New England Revolution need that kind of help? I know he'll want this back. He's a better defender than that, but whoo. Tough. This one finished 1-1 between Columbus and New England. You got CONCACAF, Columbus. All right, uh, who else got CONCACAF? Oh, this is from Inner Miami. Her, tell me how a ball bounces twice in the box off a of throw-in. Bad defending, Seb. Off a of throw-in, this is comical. Like, Inner Miami deserved to get shellacked at home this way by the Red Bulls if you are allowing off throw-ins a ball to travel 30, 40 yards and bounce twice in your six. You deserve what you get. And Bill Neville said maybe he picked the wrong squad. I'm starting to think he was right about this one. Mm. So he got it wrong, but he got it right. Bill Hamid of DC United frustrated after giving up the second goal of the game to Joseph Martinez. Watch the reaction. Watch the follow-through. Oh! Donovan what Pines. What oh, oh. Oh. My man Donovan Pines has been suffering this summer too. DC actually has been surprising me, but uh, that one's gonna hurt. Yep, you got Conca Captain. 
by your old teammate as well. How about that for DC United? Tough, tough weekend for the black and red. In case you missed it, speaking of old MLS logos, literally the old MLS logo is still out there. It's resurfaced in, of all places, Herc, the Hungarian fourth division for a club that, I mean, according to their logo, has been around since 1945. Why are they borrowing a logo from a league that started 50 years after that? I don't know. I don't mind it either. I remember this logo. I remember it on the Kappa balls. Do you remember the old school Kappa yep. balls? You will never know how difficult it was to strike those, how heavy, how dense those balls felt. It was one of the weirdest feelings in the world playing with those Kappa balls. Uh, but this logo was, uh, it reminds me of old school. It reminds me of training in a baseball field in the Rose Bowl with the Galaxy. That's what it reminds me I of. I bet you it was on some uh, paychecks you got as well, huh? Was it? Maybe. Yeah, they put the Could old. Be. Yeah, they used to put the MLS logo. I'm sure. Uh, I like actually the black and red more than I like the blue and green. I'd kind of forgotten the original colors of MLS till you just mentioned the ball and you remember the blue and the green. But I like are, the red. Are and black. the blue and green not still in the MLS logo? I'm lost. No, but like this color scheme, this black and red, I like more than the blue and green. Now that I look at it, what's the club's name? All right. Should we take a stab at it? Karanslapuito. Karanslapuito. Fourth division, fourth division in Hungary. Another, in case you missed it, Romeo Beckham. Or Romeo Beckham. The much maligned on this show, Romeo Beckham, it should say, makes his debut for USL League One, Fort Lauderdale CF on Sunday. Not only does he make his debut, he starts and plays 79 minutes, Herc, in a 2-2 draw against South Georgia Tormenta FC. So our boy, our man, Franco Paniso of Miami Total Football, said that he was trying to whip him in like his dad, whipped a lot of him in those crosses. Uh, not very successful on a few, but he's still young. He will get there, right? But he's trying to do what his dad did, trying to whip those in from the right-hand side. Romeo Beckham on the field with uh, Harry Neville, Phil Neville's son. Wonder if Jorge Mas has any kids he might want to get on the team. More Major League Soccer on Out. this weekend on ESPN2. Sunday, it's Austin FC against the LA Galaxy. Big game out west, at least for the Galaxy. That one kicks off 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, available on ESPN2, ESPN Deportes, and streaming live on the app. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Matthew Hoppy making his La Liga debut, Herc, over the weekend. Came on as a second-half sub for Mallorca. Got a good half hour of playing time. Came on in the 60th minute. Operated up top in... What was a 4-4-2? Scored a goal, only to see it taken off, waved off for offside. Pretty clear. Can't have too much of a complaint about that. Match finished in a 0-0 draw between Mallorca and Villarreal. Mallorca now eight points from their first five games played so far this season. There you see the stats from Matthew Hoppe's La Liga debut, and earlier today I had a chance actually to speak with Hoppy himself, not just about his debut, but the move to Mallorca and his national team future as well. Matthew Hoppy then joins us here on Football Americas. Matthew, welcome back to the show. Great to have you with us. 
Let me ask you this, man. First things first, how's life in Mallorca? Um, yeah, it's, it's a, a big change for me, I think, um, going from Germany to Spain. Um, the culture, the language, the weather, everything. But um, I think it's been positive a few weeks over here. ¿Y cómo va tu español? How's your Spanish? It's okay. I took it in school growing up. Um, I took it all the way up until Spanish 4. But I, I need to work on it because, you know, sometimes when I try and speak, I mix it up with German now. But um, I think I'll, I'll get it down in a few months, though. All right, so walk us through this week. When do you find out you're going to make your debut? Um, you know, uh, in the build-up leading to the games, you always hope to, to go in and to be a part of the team, you know. Um, against Bill Bell, um, in the first game back from the international break, I wasn't able to play, but um, yeah, in the next one I was able to play. And I think I put on a, a good performance, so I was really happy to make my debut. What about that goal they took away from you? Yeah, that was that was devastating. Um, uh, but there's nothing I can do about it now. But um, yeah, just to to have the opportunity to put it away it was it was still a good feeling for those few seconds. But um, you know, you gotta keep working hard so I could get more goals. So. You mentioned it's been kind of a crazy year. Um, there's so much to kind of unpack throughout that year. Let's just go back to the, the transfer window itself, because I think uh, once Schalke goes down, there was a pretty good sense that, that you would be moving at some point. What were those months like? What were some of the other options? And, and kind of how do you make that decision before you end up at Mallorca? Yeah, so um, I think the last few months have been, you know, really crazy. Um, you know, I was really happy at Schalke to to be able to play for such a historic and, and big club. You know, it was uh, an honor. But um, you know, it was up to to my agent and uh, the club, and they thought it was best for me to move to La Liga and to keep developing in, in that um, league. You know, and uh, yeah, the, the transfer day itself that was a crazy story. So. Um, you know, I didn't know where I was going to go. I thought I was uh, going to stay maybe at Schalke to spend another season in the, or spend a season in the second division. I think it still would have been good for my development. But, um, you know, within the span of 24 hours, I just had to, had to go to Spain, so. So I think from the outside looking in, we think that it's kind of like the college recruitment process for you. And I know you've been through that, right? So um, we're like, you get a pamphlet and a brochure and there's like five or six options. It sounds like it was much more whirlwind than that for you. Like how long from the first time you heard Mallorca to, oh my gosh, I'm moving to La Liga. How long was that span? The span of that was about a few hours, honestly. Really? Yeah, I think. Uh yeah, I found out uh, on deadline day at about 12.30 that I was going to go to Mallorca and then um, took a taxi to the airport at 3 in the morning and hopped on a flight at uh, 5.55, did my physicals right when I landed. So, Like when you think about Real Madrid, I'm sure you grew up playing FIFA, you know, watching the Champions League. I mean, this is a club like every kid who's played grew up dreaming of playing for um, or against and you got a crack at them coming up here. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously um, going to be a dream come true playing against them, but 
you know, at the end of the day, they're just human beings, they're just people. So, um, you know, hopefully we can we can get some points from there, and hopefully we can win the game. So, you know, over the summer you get to play in the Gold Cup for the U.S. That's kind of your first opportunity to play in real meaningful games um, for the red, white, and blue. What was that like for you? Yeah, so um, like growing up, I haven't played in, with the national team ever. Um, so to be able to make my, my debut with the first team, I think, was a special moment for me. And um, I felt like I had a lot to prove to um, you know the coaching staff and, and to my country. So I was, I was uh, urgent to, to get on the field and to be able to show what I can do. And that's why you know, I didn't go to preseason with the uh, shout guy. I saw it being more beneficial for me to go to the Gold Cup to hopefully um, you know, throw my name in the mix to go to the World Cup. Um, I think I saw you used like a little bit differently in Gold Cup too. You know, with Shaka, we kind of seen you playing through the middle. With Gold Cup, you play out wide. How do you feel about the different roles? Um, you know, at first I was upset about it. You know, I kept uh, getting mad at Greg, telling him I was a striker and I want to play striker. But, um, you know, I think that he, he saw something in me. And uh, I think that it was able to, you know, bring out the best in me as a player. And I was able to show, um, I think, the world and uh, even myself a lot of things I'm capable of. Um, you know, I'm not just like a player that knows how to make runs in behind or to finish a ball, but I can create as well and I can take people on one-on-one -on -one and, uh, you know, cause the, the back line a lot of problems. So I think that um, it was a really good tournament for me overall. So you haven't played in that position. It's your first senior international tournament with the national team and the coach says all right we're going to throw you out wide what's that conversation like um like i said before at first i was uh, a little upset except uh you know I, I understood what he wanted and i was able to execute it so um you know i kind of enjoyed a little bit too you know playing out wide being able to, to have that freedom so um yeah i'm i'm ready to play wherever he needs me left wing right wing striker but I still think that uh, you know I'm, I'm the best at striker. So you were in the Gold Cup team, but you weren't in the team for the latest qualifiers. I'm sure you watched them. What's it like, you know, knowing that you're going to be part of that, but watching from afar for games that really are what's going to determine whether this team goes to Qatar or not? Yeah, I still think uh, you know I would have liked to be there. It would have been nice to be there, but um, you know I had to to be real with myself and the situation I was in and I had to focus on settling and playing with my club and um, you know put all my effort into where I am now in the moment and then focusing on the next call up and going there so um, yeah it was difficult not to be there with the boys but um, I think it was, it was the best thing and it had to happen like that so um, we'll see we'll see what the future holds for the next qualifiers. Let's talk season goals then before we let you out of here. And let's start with Mallorca. What are your goals individually for your first season in La Liga? Yeah, so um, I want to be able to have a lot of playing time. I want to, um, you know, keep developing in that way. And then obviously want to score, score some goals. I think uh, 10 goals, 10 plus goals will be um, something good to, to reach for. Um, and yeah, stay, stay in the league. Uh, compete with, with the top teams, maybe, um, you know, Champions League or uh, Europa League spot. So um, I think we have a promising 
team with uh, a lot of talent. So I think we can we can shock the world. So. I like it. No lack of confidence there. Right, what about with the national team? We got some some huge qualifiers coming up in just a couple weeks. Yeah. So uh, with the national team, the the biggest goal is to qualify. I think, and um, you know, not just in the second or third seed. I think we want to go for the first seed. So um, we need to win win all the difficult games, no matter uh, how how ugly they might be. We need to to get those wins because they're important for us, and um, you know, just to be there and uh, hopefully get some goals over there, that'd be um, another goal of mine, so. How close do you feel to the call-up list for October? Can, can you taste it? Do you want it? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, you know, hopeful for it. I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I'm wanting to be there with the guys, so uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but um, I think it's looking pretty good. All right, our man Matthew Hoppy, uh, not exactly short on confidence, huh? Hercules Gomez, uh, what was your big takeaway there? I think for me it's the fact that this kid, no matter where Greg Berhalter is going to play him, sees himself as a number nine. Yeah, it's the mentality, right? Uh, what are your goals? Most players would say, you know what, I I'm not about disclosing numbers, I'm about team wins. <laughs> 10 goals, 10 assists, 10 plus, he said on each. That, that to me just screams the amount of confidence he has in himself, in his ability. And one of the things I most came away so impressed by him this summer in that Gold Cup run was he wasn't phased by anything. He was angry at times. He brought like an attitude, a mentality to a team and he's so young. I mean, this kid is so young and he's acting like he's been there, like he's done that, like it doesn't phase him. He was given the Mexican players attitude in a final, probably the biggest game, certainly in his national team career. And there he is versus Mexican nationals, team historically, El Gigante de CONCACAF in Las Vegas, Nevada, sold out crowd, and he's given it to everybody. He wants the ball, doesn't matter where he's at. He understands he's dangerous no matter where he is. But he also says, I'm a striker. I love the mm -hmm. confidence. You know what's very interesting? He, he plays like a guy with a chip on his shoulder. And I think there really is a chip on his shoulder because we talked about it in the interview. You know, he, he never, ever played for the youth national teams. That despite an incredible youth career. He, he, he was the leading scorer for the entire DA. That's the highest level. Um, in terms of youth development in America, and he was never called into the youth national team. So the fact that the first time he puts on the U.S. jersey is with the senior team, to me, explains a lot of why this kid has that edge, and I think it's something that the U.S. is very happy to bring in. I'm, this is a kid who's not just versatile, but it's kind of changing the attitude of the group. So I can tell you from personal experience, I've never played on a youth national team. I've never been on the radar on a youth national team. Not, this guy was a leading scorer in a DA system. I wasn't mm. anywhere near that. When you make your first appearance in a U.S. jersey and it's for the senior national team, it means much more. But it also means every single time you prove it, you have to prove yourself. <laughs> this kid was cut by the L.A. Galaxy, wasn't he? He was in Yorba mm. Linda here in California. And the local team here said, you're not good enough. And he ends up at Schalke. Hat-trick, first American with a hat-trick, and now he's at La Liga, one of the best leagues in the world. This kid's still very young, and he's already talking about World Cups. He's talking about scoring multiple, I mean, double-digit goals here, double-digit assists. It's crazy how, how just confident he is. That confidence should serve him well on Wednesday when Mallorca do indeed visit Real Madrid right here on ESPN+. Plus, Where you can catch it, will Matthew Hoppy get his first start for Mallorca? 
We'll have to wait and see Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Book it. Time. He's going to do it. For that one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S A V E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Let's book it. Leagues Cup style. You're already in Las Vegas, so you, you got your hands on the pulse, I'm sure, of all the lines, how everything's moving out there. Of course, coming Wednesday night, we've got Seattle Sounders against Leon. I don't know. I didn't get a full look at the lines here. I got to get all the over-unders, all the player prop bets. Uh, so who are you taking to win this thing? I'm taking Seattle, who are actually oh, favorites to win this. Oh, oh what yeah, a surprise. Yeah. 106. Uh, it, newsflash, this just in within the last hour. Nicolás Lodeiro is out. Re-aggravated that mm. knee injury. He underwent surgery. He may miss much more time than just League's Cup. Maybe playoffs. We don't know yet. But that's a huge blow for the Seattle Sounders still. They've been doing it without Nicolò Dato all year, without Jordan Morris all year. Next man up mentality. This team finally, finally got the monkey off their back. It was Santos Laguna. Quarterfinal, semifinal play versus Santos Laguna in an international tournament. Always the Mexican team that would eliminate them. They eliminated Tigres, then Santos Laguna. Now it's Leon. I will remind you, Leon has a penchant for these international tournaments and not winning them, for losing the game they should win. We've seen it before, Toronto FC, this Toronto FC in this version of what was the CONCACAF Champions League. And before that, it was LAFC in a game where they were already two up in the first leg, disastrous second leg. They've got something about them where it's, they can't get over this hump. And they just came off of losing versus Juarez, the worst team in the league, Tuca Ferretti's Juarez, this weekend. So I'm going to go with Seattle on that defensive system in transition. I think they nick one, and I think it's them lifting the cup on Wednesday. To all my friends in Seattle, I wanted to pick the Sounders. I truly did. But Hurt got his pick in before I did. So we, we have to be at least somewhat contrarian on this show, don't we? So I'll take Leon even though they're getting a, a little bit worse odds there at minus uh, 118. I kind of took this begrudgingly hurt because as I said, we couldn't find the rest of the odds. Really what I would love to take in this game is the under because in any final, I'm always taking the under. Yeah, it's funny. I do think there will be offensive opportunities, but I think it's a 1-0 game. I, mm. They say styles make fights. You have a very good possession-based team that attacks in numbers through the flanks, very creative in the final third, plays a high line versus a team with three center backs, five-man back line if you're with wing backs who are very good in transition, especially on the wings. I think it plays into Seattle's favor and much like we saw against Santos, it could be a one-goal game at the end. Hey, what, what do you think the crowd breakdown will be in Las Vegas? Because Leon, as good as they are, maybe aren't the, the biggest club in terms of fan base here in the United States. And Seattle is not far from Las Vegas. You think we'll be 50-50? No, I don't think it'll be 50-50. I think uh, it's going to be very much a pro-Mexican crowd. Here's the thing, mm-hmm. though. Not as bad as we've seen in some finals or some games where it's Major League Soccer versus Liga MX. This is a very regional team, Leon. Outside of Leon, 
There aren't a whole lot of fans, like if you said America, there are America fans right. everywhere in Mexico and everywhere in the continental United States. Chivas, Pumas, Cruz Azul, same thing. Even Tigres, who is somewhat of a regional team, has picked up new fans. As successful as Leon has been, they're very much a regional team. Now, Seattle Sounders, they do their scouting. They have their player scouting here and then their camps and whatnot here in Las Vegas. It's close to Vegas somewhat. There's a good flight path to Vegas, a cheap flight. But I don't know if we're going to see such a split as you would like, a 50-50. I think it's still going to be a heavy Mexican crowd. Okay, but, but it won't be Club America taking over Philadelphia Stadium at like 90 to 10, right? It will at least have a, a no. slightly more even crowd than that for what figures to be an awesome, Absolutely. awesome game Wednesday night. Seattle and Leon for the League's Cup Final. Of course, John Champion Taylor Twelman will be calling that game live on ESPN2. Football Americas will be there as well, and we will be bringing you Thursday's show live from ESPN's Las Vegas studios right there on the Strip. How about this? An international exhibition between the Houston Dash of NWSL and from Liga Mekis Femenil Tigres. Uh, the final score here lopsided her. Houston Dash, not the best team in the NWSL. A, a pretty good pretty good team now, but not the best. Uh, Tigres, one of the best, if not the class of Liga Mekis Femenil. And yet you see the gap between the two. Her 5-1, the final score in this uh, exhibition. Yeah, Tigres is the class. Three championships in their very brief history. So tell me, what am I missing here, Seb? If, if the Dash, who aren't the best, route Tigres, who's the, who's the best in Liga Mekis, what am I missing? Look, NWSL's been around just a little bit longer and has put in a lot more money. So there you go. That's the real truth of it. And also, the United States has supported its women's soccer much more than Mexico has. That's probably the real truth as to why that gap exists. But it's a gap that will only keep closing as more and more money gets, uh, gets pumped into the women's game down in Liga Mekis. One more note on that. Christine Nairn, after a long, long career uh, in professional women's soccer, that was her farewell match. So congratulations to Christine Nair on a great career. One more correction, because we like to get things right on this show. You were throwing some incredible shade at Jonathan Bond during the top 10 goals. That was actually our good friend Jonathan Klinsman that got a Ooh, hand to it. Johnny Ooh. Klinsman! No, Johnny Klinsman! All right, My that's fault. it for us. We'll Johnny see you on Bond. Thursday from Las My Vegas. Fault. Until then, good night. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.